This is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 112. It's our spoiler-filled discussion of the latest DC movie, Justice League. Welcome back, Gothamites, to Gotham TV Podcast, episode 112. We're here to talk about Justice League, because Gotham is on a one-week break for Thanksgiving. Uh, it'll be back next week for the last two episodes of this half of the season, uh, but we thought we'd have uh, spend some time in the DC cinematic universe with Justice League. I'm on your host, Derek. Hi there, fellow Gothamites. I am one of your other hosts, John. Welcome back to the show. Yeah. It's kind of nice to go on to the movies for a week. It landed quite well with the break in Gotham um, for one week while Justice League was coming out. Yeah, definitely. It was good. Uh, we've also covered uh, another recent movie as well with Thor Ragnarok over on our Defenders TV podcast platform. And we are also currently covering The Punisher over there. So if you also like Marvel like ourselves, then please head on over to DefendersTVPodcast.com where you can listen to our spoiler-filled reviews of both Thor Ragnarok, but also the current 13-episode series of The Punisher over on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And if you think Gotham's violent, Punisher's pretty violent. (laughs) Yep, it's pretty violent, all right. But as well, please come on over and subscribe to the podcast, Gotham TV Podcast, over on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or any other good or evil podcast catcher, please just head on over to gothamtvpodcast.com to our subscribe area where you can go and join the podcast catcher of your choice. Please subscribe, uh, rate us, leave a review. uh, All the feedback uh, helps us to grow our podcast. And John, guess what I learned the last time we were over in Chris's house? Go on. You can say, okay, Google, play the latest episode of Gotham TV Podcast. And it should now be playing the latest episode of Gotham TV Podcast. That is pretty cool. (laughs) I don't know whether it works with Alexa. Let's try it. Alexa, play the latest episode of Gotham TV Podcast. Okay, listeners, sorry if I've messed up your Alexa or Google Play that you may have gotten in your Black Friday sales. But uh, there you go. Now, an easy way to get the podcast uh, through your player in your home. Yeah, absolutely. Um it's exciting stuff. Voice <laughs> command podcasting. Uh, very good. Or mm-hmm. podcast listening, I should say. Uh, but Derek, I think we should get into our spoiler-filled review of the DC movie Justice League. What are some of the details on this? Yeah, this movie was directed by Zack Snyder. Uh, he's obviously been responsible for many of the movies in the DC universe so far. He's done um, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. He did uh, Man of Steel as well. Um, unfortunately, he wa- he did have to leave the project because of a personal tragedy where his daughter sadly committed suicide. Um, very, very sorry to hear that. It's a, a terrible thing for any parent to go through. Um Joss Whedon was brought on board towards the end of the project to finish off, finish it off. I did think it was quite interesting looking at the opening credits that he, Joss Whedon isn't given a director's credit uh, for the movie. The full director's credit is given to Zack Snyder. So that's quite interesting. Uh, original cut of this movie was around three hours long, apparently. Uh, and when the studio saw it, they wanted to reduce the cut down. So I think Joss Whedon oversaw that 
reduced edit and added in some scenes just to make up for the fact that you weren't getting to see the full movie. Um, there's definitely some scenes missing in here. I'm hoping that they're going to do the extended cut like they've done with Suicide Squad and uh, Batman v Superman. Uh, Batman v Superman, as we discussed, the extended cut of that is excellent. It's really, really good. Yeah, really good. Um, yeah, I mean, it was interesting whether you saw any kind of tonal shifts with Joss Whedon coming on board, but certainly, you know, I think not obviously knowing Joss Whedon, but I'm sure he wanted to give the credit to Zack Snyder, given how much time he'd spent on it, I would say. Absolutely. Um, and certainly, um, maybe depending on your view of the movie, he might be pleased not to have his name associated with it. Who knows? Maybe, maybe. Uh, there's some interesting ones. If you look at some of the earlier trailers, some of the early on trailers, there is some comedy in there. A lot of people have been attributing the comedy in the movie to Joss Whedon. But if again, if you look at those really early trailers, they were all while Zack Snyder was still involved in the project. So Zack was definitely bringing in a lighter tone to this film than he brought to some of the other films like Man of Steel and, and Batman v Superman. Um, but this movie was written by Chris Terrio, who wrote Batman v Superman, Donna Jones. Justice. And as I say, Joss Whedon does get a writer's credit on this film. So um, so he obviously had some quite significant involvement towards the end of the project. The movie stars Gal Gadot. Is it not Gal Gadot? Weirdly, I think she actually pronounces it Gal Gadot. I've been hearing that quite a lot in interviews. So uh, I always pronounce it Gal Gadot, though. Okay. Uh, it also stars Ben Affleck, Jason Momoa, Ezra Miller, Ray Fisher, and spoilers, Henry Cavill. Oh, I wonder what he might be in this movie. Mm. Uh, also stars Amy Adams and Kieran Hines plays the villain Steppenwolf. So, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis of the Justice League? Yeah. An ancient evil has resurfaced as Steppenwolf and his parademons attempt to locate the three hidden mother boxes in an attempt to join them together and harness their combined energy to reshape Earth. Fueled by his restored faith in humanity and inspired by Superman's selfless act, Bruce Wayne enlists the help of his newfound ally, Diana Prince, to bring together the other metahumans, Arthur Curry, Barry Allen and Victor Stone, to fight against Steppenwolf and save the world from destruction. Very simple synopsis for this film. I think uh, it's a pretty straightforward story. It is. I quite like it. It's fairly unpretentious, to be honest, and it's also good fun. I think I really enjoyed this. I'm not saying you are going to get major consistencies. I mean, who are the parademons? Is Darkseed involved? You know, why do people turn up sometimes when they do in the movie? Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean... I think it, this, it's a roller coaster. There is a lot of things happening. There are a lot of people in this. It's it's really a a, a great movie with a lot of different things happening. And sure, sometimes it doesn't always fit together. Sometimes it doesn't even possibly make sense. But <laughs> I kind of just went along with the ride and really enjoyed it. Um, and I do think that it has a lighter touch. I really enjoyed Jason Momoa. Uh, and Ezra Miller's take on, uh, obviously, Aquaman and The Flash together. And I, I really like the lightness that they brought to it. And I think it really does kind of reflect back on maybe the darker side that's there with Batman and the more serious Superman as mm-hmm. well. Spoilers. Yes. Um, you know, but of course, I think it's time to highlight that this is our spoiler-filled review and get into our top five points, which this uh, time we're going to look at the main characters through the film and their associated stories. 
Um, we have Justice League, this team coming together. And so our five points will be around Aquaman, Cyborg, Flash. And then the ones we already know, Batman, Wonder Woman, and the re- return of Superman. Um, plus then the evils that inhabit this world, Steppenwolf. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, let's kick it off with our our first new character, the introduction to Aquaman, played by Jason Momoa. Um, an interesting story, but I think he's probably the least well served in this film for me. Uh, his storyline's pretty straightforward. He's uh, he's there helping out some people in Iceland, fixing things for them, getting food for them. But he's living half a life on land and half a life in ocean, and that's kind of his story. It feels like they're kind of saving him because his solo movie's coming up next. It's the next thing on the slate that's uh, already been finished I believe the filming is, is done on that so it feels like they didn't want to spend a huge amount of time creating his story here because it's going to be very soon his own film that will be talking about that yeah I mean I really enjoyed Aquaman here I to me he's having a blast um, yet there's not too much storyline here I think you get a you know you get that introduction to him helping uh, this remote uh, community and um, deal with the harshness of winter mm-hmm. uh, and so on you you get to see a little bit of Atlantis here where one of the mother boxes is, is secured and located yeah and a, a little bit of a tease with regards to um his mother and obviously there's there's been some distance there between them but you know you you get some hints at his character but i think they're definitely saving that for his solo movie yeah i kept thinking of ocean spray the cranberry product because (laughs) i did think um he would be an excellent employee for them uh to be honest but i really liked him i do think he's having an ocean blast here Uh, i just like the fun he brings and it's the same with the flash as well I think it really helped the movie be light, enjoyable. I mean, I think if you didn't have this, then maybe, you know, were some of the plot points fall down or some of the continuity maybe has an issue? I think you might be more hard done by by that. But I think seeing Jason Momoa having an absolute ride playing Aquaman, you know, and let's not... forget that people say how do you bring aquaman you know to life um you know they even take the the proverbial mickey out of him saying well do you talk to fish you know when batman is trying to uh, track him down yeah so i think it's all really good he's a good player here in justice league and i'm really looking forward to seeing his solo movie now yeah yeah i do think that that the character of aquaman has always been a bit maligned he's always been the one that people criticize the most and they do have a marvel equivalent to aquaman which is more the Submariner. I think he's been around since the 40s. He's a really one of the oldest Marvel characters. Yeah, he's um, an Illuminati as he, well. He is, yeah. He's up there with Iron Man and Doctor Strange. Yeah, but the, very similar, but he doesn't have the same powers as Aquaman. I love this little gag, as you mentioned, where it's, uh, do you talk to fish? And Aquaman says, no, I speak to the ocean. The ocean is what speaks to the fish uh, kind of thing, where, again, he's not revealing his power set. That's going to be saved for the solo movie, but uh, I thought it was quite fun. Uh, I loved the costume, I suppose you'd call it, which is the tattoos that are all over his body i thought that was really really yeah, interesting definitely they certainly tell a story as well as they kind of mirror his armor as well mm. i mean it must have been absolutely freezing for him going into uh the the ocean there i'm sure it was just cgi but i wonder whether they actually did it certainly we got the dc abs on show here yes we did um, but yeah really tell the story um, yeah in fact yeah we saw an interview with uh, with jason momoa a couple of weeks ago on graham norton where he was talking about that scene where he's speaking to uh, ben affleck's uh, bruce wayne 
and he is in the ocean and he said he was shivering for that entire scene because yeah he was in that in that freezing cold ocean for the wow. time wow yeah but the the tattoos definitely tell a story um you see shark teeth on uh, on his body mm. which is a polynesian tradition a symbol of power adaptability and fierce strength right well. and then you get spearheads covering his shoulders obviously sort of battle courage and strength and then you have wave details as well, obviously just connecting him to his alma mater, uh, the ocean, you know, so really uh, good. I mean, yeah, I think Aquaman is the lovable hipster here. He's swigging back the whiskey. He's he's enjoying the heavy metal. Mm-hmm. He's rocking out in the ocean. Um I just thought it was good fun, uh, and I really enjoyed the character. And I do think he does have one of the funniest scenes in the f- in the film because it does take you a bit by surprise, where he's suddenly realizing his life's purpose and realizing that he's just as scared as everybody else. And then you find out that it's because he's sitting on Wonder Woman's lasso, which I thought was uh, very cool. That she that her lasso of truth has has derived the truth from this impenetrable character that is Aquaman. I thought that was a really fun scene. Definitely. But I think onto Cyborg here. Mm. Yes. um, Built by one of the mother boxes that um, certainly he is unable to control the powers here. There's a really nice scene where, you know, he's able to lift off and blast off from the floor and hover, which he says, I wasn't able to do that yesterday. Yeah, like yeah. Th- these new abilities that are coming to his his um, suit um, or his 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 cyborg, his technological elements, all emanating from the mother box, and I really like that. And I I have to say, I, I thought Victor Stone. This was a really good little story arc. It, it not only connected him to effectively the big. And threat here in this film, the, the, the mother boxes and them being joined yeah. by Steppenwolf. But you also have that really interesting relationship with his father, Silas Stone, mm-hmm. you know, where he's questioning him, why did you bring me back and not my mother? You know, he's kind of hiding away from society. He's got this hoodie on because he doesn't quite know how to take it all in ultimately. Mm-hmm. And I really liked um his kind of different jump off points, both with his father, but also with Diana when she goes out looking for him and she's trying to sort of bring him back into the current world and stop him from hiding away to, to use his powers. And I, I thought they were really personal to Victor Stone and, and him sort of taking on his full potential here. Yeah. And obviously he becomes critical to um, preventing the, the destruction of the world here along yeah. with Superman. So what we find out in the story is that he himself and his mother died in a car crash. Yeah. And his father brings just him back from the dead. Uh, he's a former football player, I believe. He played for uh, Gotham City University. So he is connected across both Gotham City and in Star Labs, I believe, he's is where his father works. So, um, so there's that connection across multiple cities within the universe of DC, which is quite cool. Um, but yeah, his father, Silas Stone, is played by Joe Morton. And I like this little link here because you may recognize him. I think everybody does uh, as Miles Dyson from uh, from Terminator 2, who also was bringing about the end of the world by his by creating Skynet. Yes. So this is a man you call on when you need uh, a lot of technology work, obviously. Yeah, no, I mean, it was really good to see him in this 
uh, in this role and, and to see that link to technology, but, but slightly more personally here, you know, through his cyborg son, mm-hmm. um, Victor Stone, uh, he, he gets, um, kidnapped by one of the parademons as well. And, and that kind of kicks off, um, cyborg really having to get involved because it's to do with his father. And despite maybe some reservations and a bit of animosity towards him because of what he's done, it's still his dad. And there's a real personal investment here when he initially kind of connects in with the other members of the Justice League. So I really thought this was a a, a good uh, story arc uh, of Cyborg. Um, You know, it's not a character I know that much about um, in the DC universe. And, to just get this little hint for me was fascinating and I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've read the most recent reboot of uh, the DC universe in the new 52 when this Justice League kind of got together. So I know the most recent version of Cyborg and because Jeff Johns, who now runs uh, the movie universe for DC, because he was involved in the writing of that story, I think he's taking a lot of that Cyborg. Uh, but it was quite interesting that he gets his catchphrase from the cartoons, which is Booyah. He gets that right at the end of this uh, of this movie it's almost like luke cage's sweet christmas from luke cage where it's an earned use of his catchphrase it's not something that he just says every time that he speaks you know i like that I like that little moment in there uh, also a great moment from cyborg because he isn't able to control his powers it's brand new to this these are all new abilities i like that moment when superman is standing in front of him and his cyborg body is transforming into a gun to shoot down Superman because it feels under threat and he can't control it. I thought that was a nice little touch as well. Yeah, that w- that was pretty cool, definitely. Totally. Yeah. Uh, let's go on to character three. Yes, another pretty cool thing. Ezra Miller as the Flash. Mm. As I said already, I think um, he was fantastic fun in here. Um, and I think he really, along with Aquaman, just, you know, lifts this movie. Um, I love the awkward, nerdy, out of place feel that he does, you know, yeah. something potentially I can relate to. <laughs> um, he just lifts it, you know, from where he's first making contact with Bruce Wayne. And you saw that from the trailer with where you see the Batarang flying past him and he picks it out of the, the air, you know, where you see him with J.K. Simmons, Jim Gordon, and mm-hmm. everyone's just left, and he goes. But even, I think, just the idea that he was a fish out of water, that, you know, he's not superheroed before, and this is his first time. He, he's just kind of um, helped stop some some thefts, uh, and he's, he's pushed people, um, you know, onto the pavement out of uh, the harm of an oncoming vehicle. Yeah. So I really liked um, this feel of him. It was really good, and it just w- came with a lot of humor, which which worked really well. Yeah, I agree with you. You would have thought that Aquaman would have been the fish-out-of-water story in this, wouldn't you? You would have, indeed. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, re- I really liked it. He doesn't want to go past any sushi restaurants. <laughs> uh, no, I really did like Flash in this. Uh, it is a nice touch that he's early on in his career. He has the powers. He knows how to use them, definitely. Uh, I like the fact that he realizes that Bruce is uh, is Batman really quickly, um, that he's wondering what Batman's superpower is, and it's effectively money, uh, is, is the is the gag in there. And the reason why he, Flash is in here is because he actually wants to join the team, because he has no friends. He's a nerd. He's a geek. Um, and 
if this group of superheroes are going to ask him to come on board, he is totally there. You kind of need somebody like that in this film. You need somebody that wants to be there because all the rest of them always have worked on their own. Even Aquaman has that line, doesn't he, where he says people work better on their own and Batman responds to him going, that's not at all what that means. Everybody works better together. That's what that phrase is supposed to mean. But, uh, but I like the fact that Flash here is kind of standing up for working together as a team because it works better for him. One of the interesting things, I suppose, is that we've obviously had Flash on TV for such a long time now, for three, four seasons over on the CW uh, as one of their shows. I still think it's probably the best of the CW shows for me. Uh, it's the one I probably tune into and keep up to date with more than Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl. But with that comes the fact that we know his origin story really easily. It's pretty straightforward to see what they've done in this movie. And they hit all of the setup points. Uh, Definitely. For the things that you see in The Flash. The fact that his father's in jail for the death of his mother. Uh, the fact that he's now got a job and is working for the forensics lab, which is where we see him right at the start of The Flash TV show. Yeah, And of course, his dad is played by Billy Crudup as well, who was in another Zack Snyder uh, comic book movie, The Watchman, playing Dr. Manhattan. That's right. Yes, that's right. His blue body and his blue privates. Yes. <laughs> I don't think you could forget those. No. If you've seen the movie. He also played the wonderful part in the movie, Almost Famous, one of my favorite films. So really great to see Billy Crudup in here. Hopefully we'll see more if a Flash solo movie is announced. Um, it hasn't been announced just yet. I think they're probably looking for probably 2022 or 2021 at this stage because they've got so many new movies on the slate. Uh, but I've really enjoyed this version of, uh, of Flash uh, played by Ezra Miller. It was one of those ones where a lot of fans were hoping that Barry Allen could come over from the TV show and work in the movies as well. But I think this version works a bit better, a bit a bit more fun, a bit younger, uh, not on the beat as long as Barry Allen on the TV show has been. If you brought him over from the TV show, he just comes with a bit too much baggage. So probably a good idea to to recast him and, and start from scratch in the, in the movie universe. Definitely. I mean, even uh, in his little hideout with all the technology there as well, mm. there are a few little hints to Captain Cole's with the cold resistant suit on, on the screen. Very so, cool. you know, all these things really probably couldn't have happened if you'd brought the Barry Allen from the TV show. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, by the end of this film, he gets the job in the forensics lab at Star City Police Department. Mm -hmm. Again, something that would already have been happening if you'd brought Barry Allen over from uh, the CW show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it it had a different dynamic, the the flash here in this show. And I think it worked really well with the other two new members of this team, Cyborg and Aquaman. I, I thought they really meshed in nicely with um, Batman and Wonder Woman and Superman. Absolutely. The other good thing, obviously, that meshed Barry Allen in really well was the post-credit scene as well, uh, where that brings to us like such a fantastic comic book reference. Of oh yeah. Who would win in a race from east to west coast uh, in America? Would it be Superman with his high-speed flying, or would it be the Flash with his just simple high speed? Has um, to be the Flash, doesn't it? I always, I've always thought this uh, in my in my DC fandom. I've always thought if the Flash only has one superpower and it's super speed. He has to be faster than Superman. I he think has so. Tons of other powers to focus yes. on. <laughs> That's the way I've always thought about it. I know Superman's faster than a speeding bullet, but I think Flash is faster than a speeding time. bullet. Yeah. It's faster than time yeah. because he can he break can... down the time barrier. 
and I know Superman he can pick bullets out of the earth. So True. it must be the Flash. I think so. I think I'm so. going Team Flash with this uh, race from east to west coast. Yeah, I do like it. A uh, really good, really good scene. Just a little nod to the fans. I know they've had this in the comic books a bunch of times, and it's never been very clear as to who the who the winner is. But I do like that they have this as a little note at the end of the film. My favorite scene of Flash in this movie is when they're having their first battle and he says that he's never really done anything other than push people out of the way. Uh, and Batman just says to him, well, just save one. And when he saves one person, then he realizes, well, I could just save another one and then another one. I love that little moment where yeah. he's realizing how to use superpowers. It's not about saving hundreds of people. It's about saving one person at a time. Yeah, absolutely. It was really spot on. Uh, I think with the casting and how the Flash worked in this movie, again, uh, just really good. Um, I think with that, on to some of the more established characters that we we know and love from this new DC universe, Batman, Wonder Woman, and the return of Superman. It is very different in this film, the fact that they've kind of given each of the members of the cast their own arcs, isn't it? It's quite, it's quite cool to do it that way. Um, when you had something like the Avengers, the Marvel kind of equivalent to this, I suppose, you had a solo film for each different character. Everybody coming into that movie knew everything about those characters and just wanted to see how they formed as a group. Whereas in this film, each person is given their own arc to go through, uh, through in, throughout this film. So it's almost like everybody gets about 10, 15 minutes each, um, to explore their character. I love that it opens with Batman, that his moment is using a criminal in Gotham City to attract one of these parademons by showing the fear. It really felt like a, a Batman move. You know, I want you to fear me, which is the Christian Bale line from uh, back in Batman Begins. Definitely. And that brings out the parademon that seems to thrive on fear. And really interesting because this is all going on uh, in, in Gotham and, and Metropolis, these strange alien sightings that are kind of plaguing these two cities. Yeah. There are kidnappings as well. Um, and of course, along with Batman, we get the new Jim Gordon as well, played by J.K. Simmons yes. here. But we also get another uh, detective from the Gotham world. And I, by Gotham world, I mean the TV world. Um, we see Detective Crispus Allen here, uh, played by Kobner Holbrook-Smith. Um, and he is one of the detectives. Uh, whilst walking on the floor of the police precinct, uh, Jim is approached by one of his detectives who is handling all these cases around the kidnappings. And it is the very own Detective Crispus Allen. So it's really good. good to see this character make an appearance in one of the movies. Yeah, it's the, it's the third appearance now, isn't it? Because we had um, Andrew Stewart-Jones, who played him uh, in the first season of Gotham. Uh, and he did appear in Dark Knight uh, as well. Crispus Allen appeared as a, a, at a role in there. I remember when we were interviewing Andrew Stewart-Jones right back in season one, he he corrected us on the fact that he wasn't the first actor to play <laughs> to play Christmas Allen. But it's great to see that character coming back in again. It's quite cool. Um, Batman's arc in this movie, he does seem to start out as uh, as very much with, an, with his own death wish. He feels like he should have died in that incident at the end of Batman v Superman, not Superman, because Superman is the hope of the world. He's just the savior of Gotham, um, which I think is a, a nice way to kind of keep that version of Batman alive, to keep that him kind of beating himself up about a, a decision that happened in the past, something that happened to him in the past. Yeah, definitely. And and I think very much there is still that hint, uh, that carry-on of Batman v Superman, where Batman ultimately takes the decision to resurrect 
Superman using one of the mother boxes. And you know what I love about that? It's how quickly he makes the decision. It's like, you know, he realizes that the mother box has this power and goes, okay, well then we're going to have to use this to get Superman back because this is my biggest regret now. I need to save Superman. Um, he's been fighting crime for years and years in Gotham. He says because of Superman's powers, he may not have decomposed the way somebody else may have done on Earth. Uh, he may be easily be able to be brought back to life. So I kind of like that. I think I think it's a nice touch that Batman's so willing to uh, save the life of Superman because of his huge regret. Yeah, and Superman ultimately wakes up with a massive hangover of sorts, um, <laughs> but is really, really uh, pissed at Batman as mm-hmm. well. Uh, and I love that opening where he comes back to life. He's he's raised up. And he goes back to his statue that's broken and in pieces. It's still this kind of memorial to his memory. Yeah. And then you have the remainder of the Justice League uh, coming there. And Superman is angry. Uh, he's really go, really wants to go after Batman. You know, he, he's not entirely, um, clear why he's there. He's confused. He's dazed. All his, uh, powers are kind of returning to him. Uh, and to be honest, at this stage, I was like thinking, are they going to do, you know, evil Superman yeah. here? Is this going to happen? And I'm kind of pleased they didn't in the end. I'm glad that, you know, Lois was able to take him off that ledge. Uh, and I like that reconnection back to his homestead, which was unfortunately up for sale. But, you know, there was that reconnection there back in Kansas um, with with Lois Lane and also his mom as well. I yeah. thought that was a really nice touch. Martha, of course, being hugely important back in Batman v Superman as well. Uh, I'm not too sure whether if I was Lois Lane, I'd like to be referred to as the big guns, though. No, absolutely. <laughs> not sure that was too complimentary bit of Batman. On the, a bit on the nose, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I actually thought this was going to be the rest of the movie. I thought it was going to be the Justice League teaming up against bad Superman, like we've seen in, in Injustice, um, which is a comic book series based on a computer game, actually. Um, where Superman turns bad and tries to take over the world. I thought that effectively the payback for bringing Superman back to life would be, well, you brought back Superman, but he's an evil Superman and he can kick every one of your asses six way from Sunday. Absolutely. And the thing about Injustice is that what happens is it's Lois Lane who gets killed and that's what turns Superman. So for me, yeah. So for me, I was kind of thinking, okay, Superman has been raised back to life from the dead. Mm-hmm. Is Lois Lane going to be taken away from it in this movie? Now that doesn't happen, but it, it really was, there was that moment within the film where I was thinking, is she going to die? And then this kicks off, you know, additional story arcs either within this movie or it sets up other movies within the DC universe. But I, I'm glad they didn't play it like that ultimately because I think having Steppenwolf and his reference to Dark Side um was really that was the big bad and it needed to remain so definitely. Yeah, well we just haven't really had a happy Superman uh, so far in these in these movies. So kind of good that we get the good happy Superman towards the end of this film. That's uh, that's really good. Speaking of injustice, can I just say I'm a huge fan of those games of those two games for the PlayStation 4. Uh, really really enjoy them. And a lot of the fight sequences seemed to come from that. I really liked that feeling of the epic moments of these epic battles between these superheroes and superpowered villains. I think that was quite cool. And it felt like they were taking a lot of cues from uh, those fight sequences because they're so good. 
Yeah, definitely. Also, Wonder Woman. I thought she lights up this this team. Um, I really enjoyed her at the start, being there on Lady Justice. You know, really mm-hmm. connected back there. I liked that she saw the massive fire going on at the Acropolis in Athens, set alight by her Amazonians. Um, because of the attack by Steppenwolf, which I have to say was really good. I really enjoyed that whole attack scene. I thought it was really quite epic in its feel mm-hmm. and connecting it back to Wonder Woman through this sort of emergency beacon where effectively they set Athens on fire. Um, really, yeah. really good. Poor and Athens. I, you know, she's there tasked with bringing Cyborg into the fold, which I thought was a really interesting way, you know, bringing that touch to sort of a distant Victor Stone, I thought was uh, very good. And then, like, she just kicks ass in um, in all of the battles. I loved how she really went after Steppenwolf. You know, you can sense the history that they have, the Amazonians, with Steppenwolf. You really felt it. I thought it was just awesome. Yeah, yeah, and, and I like again, as you say, I like the idea that Diana Prince, who is an ancient, she's she's an ancient warrior, goes for the most technologically advanced member of the Justice League. She's the one that brings him in. I think, think that's a nice little touch yeah, as well. Old and new. Yeah, personally, I didn't think the battle that was on the island where uh, Diana's from with the Amazons and Steppenwolf, I didn't actually think that was as good as the fight sequence that was in Wonder Woman, which explored how good fighters the Amazons are. I, th- I thought they were so um, wonderful to watch during Wonder Woman with the, you know, the multiple arrows shooting and people dodging and, da- and and fighting off horses and all that kind of stuff. I thought it was much better, actually, in Wonder Woman. We do see some criticisms to Wonder Woman from Batman, from Bruce Wayne, where he's effectively saying that she walked away from the world just because her partner, Steve Trevor, was killed, uh, that she's walked away and not stepped up to the plate that's been set by Superman, for example. Superman has been a hero for the entire world. Everybody knows who he is, but nobody has heard of Wonder Woman, even though she was out there during World War One. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was a nice tie-in to really sort of effectively get her on board mm. and, and to to link it to her criticism of him trying to resurrect Superman. You know that. She really was against that. And he's like saying, well, there's no one else because you haven't done it because yeah. of Steve Trevor. So it was a good criticism of um, Diana Prince and of Wonder Woman. And I like her response that she, she accepts it. She, mm-hmm. she's not defensive about it. She, she kind of takes it on board. And I think that is one of the qualities of Wonder Woman as a character. She is just so open and so mindful of humanity. I think it's really quite uplifting for comic book movies because um, it, it, it seems real heartfelt and genuine mm-hmm. um, from Wonder Woman, which are in some respects, and, you know, I don't always sense, say, within an Avengers movie, other than from maybe Captain America. Oh, yeah. You know? And I think there's parallels there. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think by the end of this movie, you really feel that Wonder Woman could lead the Justice League easily. And and we knew that from her own film, but you need her to step up and take those reins. You need her to be the leader that she's born to be, you know? Uh, and it does take Bruce Wayne to kind of push that out of her really you know that's what he wants he wants her to be a leader because bruce isn't going to be the leader he's not going to be the one that leads this group it's going to be superman or wonder woman really yeah definitely but i think from the goodies to the baddies 
we have Steppenwolf as the villain of the piece. Um, you know, this ancient evil who has in the past um, has tried to destroy the earth. And I think by destroy, we mean reshape, which means destroying uh, humanity. Yeah. And maybe the humans or that humanity is turned into the fear parademons. We just don't know. <laughs> um, but certainly that, yeah. something uh, that looks kind of like the Eden Project in Cornwall was being built over an old power station in Russia. And um, yes, I don't know what those tendrils were, uh, but it's something evil, dark, and looks like a, a root or something. Yeah, until um, flowers grow out of it at the and end. And then, yeah, weird flowers grew out of it at the end. I thought mm-hmm. that was kind of odd. But nonetheless... Um, I really enjoyed seeing that big battle scene with Steppenwolf from thousands of years previously. You know, we get to see the Green Lanterns again, which is kind of nice. Good to see them back in the mix after that disaster of a movie. Hopefully they can be resurrected themselves as another aspect of this DC universe, but we also get the Greek gods, you know, linking to Wonder Woman, but also firmly placing, you know, the likes of Zeus and Ares and Artemis into the DC world and their links back yeah. to ancient times. It's kind of cool um, to see Ares in there, yeah. actually. It's a nice little touch because we obviously saw him in Wonder Woman. So, But Artemis as well is the goddess of hunt and in Roman mythology... The name given to her was Diana. Oh, like Diana Prince. Very cool. Exactly. And you see them teaming up against Steppenwolf with both the Atlanteans and the Amazons as well. So it was a real coming together. Very Lord of the Ringsy, you know, in terms of trying to destroy the old big eye in the sky, Sauron. You know, I really liked it. Absolutely. There's nothing more... Lord of the Ringsy. Then there are three mother bo- mother boxes: one given to the Atlanteans, one given to the Amazons, and one given to man. You know that's that's so Lord yeah. of, Ring- of the Ringsy. Uh, I will say, Steppenwolf is probably my least favorite part of this film because there really is nothing to him. I totally understand in a movie like this, it is all about the heroes. It's all about bringing them on board and giving them their story. DC are well known, or Warner Brothers movies who do all the DC films are well known of having really good villains. Marvel always seemed to get the criticism of having really crappy villains. Steppenwolf seems to have stepped out of a Marvel movie and traveled over to the DC world because he's pretty much on the level of some of the worse uh, Marvel villains. That we've yeah, seen. I mean, I think ultimately Steppenwolf in this movie is the vehicle with which to get, oh, obviously, funny. the Justice League together. And he suffers because of that, because the, the motives are fairly all-encompassing, but general in terms of he wants to destroy uh, the planet. But of course, there is no better way to get a team of disparate people in different parts of the world uh, with different motivations coming together than the destruction of the world and saving the human race. And in fact, uh, the ideal excuse to resurrect uh, Superman. So, I mean, I think he does suffer greatly from that, but he's good in a battle. Yes. He He can soak up a lot of damage. He is a, you know, a boss card, uh, you know, the end of game boss man that yeah. you're trying to get. Although we do know there is another because he is right hand man of dark side. That's right. Yes. Yes. We will hopefully see him in the future. Yeah. It just kind of felt like 
ex-villain comes into movie, has three MacGuffins that he must gather from different parts of the world. Um, that's kind of all we need, right? Yeah, Grant, that will do. Uh, off we go. Is he the end of level boss? Is he the big bad? Because really all it takes is you bring back Superman and Superman kicks his ass. Like, you know, if we didn't have Superman in this, they wouldn't have won. I'm not, I'm not really too sure on this whole idea of the Justice League anymore after they've all formed together. Cause really what they formed together to do was bring Superman back from the dead and get him back into the fight so he can beat your villain here. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the weirdest part for me actually in this was they do that. They bring Superman back because he is seemingly the only person that can stop Stephen Wolf. But we know that's not the case because. It requires the combined efforts of Atlanteans, ancient Greek gods, Amazons, as well as Green Lanterns to come in. So we know that he can be stopped and banished from, from the world. Um, but I, I think here, rather than whole civilizations coming together, it's about individuals. And so you need a powerful individual, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I do think Diana could equally um, have given him a run for his money, certainly. I think the weirdest thing for me on this was that they bring Superman back. Superman comes in to do the job and then decides to fly out to s- save all the humans. Um, and Barry Allen is doing that as well by pushing um, car. the car, which was great fun. I enjoyed that. But it was like... I know, Superman, you're needed here. That's the best way to save all the humans. Take him out, quick, smartish, you know, and then the humans will be saved. Just save one, John. That's what I'd say to you. That's what Batman And that's what says. Barry Allen did. Yeah. I do kind of feel this is something that the writer of Batman v Superman, Donna Justice, the writer of this film, I feel like it's something that he always has to make up for because of the criticism of, of Superman destroying Metropolis uh, back in... Man of Steel. It feels like he's always trying to make up for the fact that Superman went f- to kill the villain rather than save the people uh, once in his life. It feels like Superman's made that decision now that he's going to save people, not kill. Uh, that's kind of what this moment for Superman feels like. So he does have an arc in this film again, um, even though he's probably got the shortest amount of screen time because he had to come back from the dead. Um, it does feel like he has that made that decision now. Superman was very early on in his career back in Man of Steel. Uh, in this moment here, he's made a decision to save people rather than just stop the bad guy. And effectively, he knows how good he is. So he's saying, I can all, I can save all these people and I can stop the bad guy because I'll, I'll be back really quickly. Yeah, although I think him moving an apartment block was really <laughs> hilarious. silly. Yeah. It was hilarious. It was silly, hilarious, but it was still silly. Yeah. Um, and also, I didn't quite understand, you know, did Steppenwolf control the parademons or were they just an army of dark side that then obviously consumed Steppen, Steppenwolf? <laughs> uh, the, the Swedish rock band, um, from the late seventies. Oh, Steppenwolf is the American rock band that did Born to be Wild. <laughs> exactly. Right? But I do think, you know, for his parademons suddenly turned on him for no apparent reason other than he was then consumed by fear. Yes. And I understand that. But then that's a really dangerous maneuver to have them as your kind of army backing you up, that they could turn on you because you get a little scared. The villains don't get scared. I know. And I, I do think that that was strange. Uh, and maybe that is because the parademons ultimately are controlled and and bossed around by Darkseid rather than Steppenwolf. Maybe he was just lent them, you know? 
It's like a loan. I think I think that's probably you're probably right. I think they're probably more likely working for um for Darkseid. Uh, but for me, I don't know. It feels like a real comic book move. It was set up in page one of the comic book or the first minute of this film, effectively, where Bruce goes, they're attracted to fear. They will come and attack fear. And the end of the movie is that they have created fear in Steppenwolf. Um, so they attack him. I think I, that's kind of, it's, it's a real comic book. Text. Definitely. I did like when the parademon self-destructed that he or she left the the three boxes on, on, on the the brick wall, and I, I liked how that was connected in with Aquaman's mythology. You know, with that community that he was um, saving as well. I thought mm-hmm. that was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Lots of comic book moments in this movie. Yes. Um, I think that's our top five about the movie. A couple of notes about it. We've already talked about one of the post-credit scenes, which was Flash versus Superman, a nice little enjoyable one. Uh, the final post-credit scene in the movie shows us that Lex Luthor has broken out of Arkham Asylum. So we do get a visit to Arkham Asylum in this, and it we looks do. very like Arkham Asylum in Gotham, actually. I thought that was that was quite interesting. Um, but we see that he's broken out and is now on a ship with his shaved head, very like our comic book Lex Luthor. And is visited on his yacht by another villain of the DC Universe, Deathstroke. And he broaches the subject of setting up their own league, or their own Legion of Doom, or the Injustice League, maybe. We're not sure which exact version of the bad guys he's looking to set up, but a nice little moment there, because we're obviously setting up for Justice League 2, which will be coming out in a couple of years' time. Deathstroke here is played by Joe Manganiello, uh, who was in True Blood, and is no stranger to superhero films. He also played Flash Thompson back in the first Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire's yes, Spider-Man. Yes, he did, yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to see the Legion of Doom established. Absolutely. Because we do get to see the, the Hall of Justice uh, you know, the converted Wayne Manor mm-hmm. that Bruce has neglected for so long, suddenly getting a little sprucey Bruce up, um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see how, how that works, you know, um, because it could be where it is just a, um, character soup, if we're not careful. Um, a bit like with the, uh, Infinity Wars for Marvel, you know, how does a movie deal with so many characters mm-hmm. on the screen at once. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how these two studios handle that. I think it'll be uh, interesting. Can I ask a question, John, just as our resident Christopher Nolan expert, I suppose, on uh, on the Gotham TV podcast. Is this moment with Bruce Wayne going back to Wayne Manor to set up the Justice League or the Hall of Justice, is that a reference to Batman Begins where Wayne Manor has been destroyed by Rachel Ghoul? Because I don't, I don't think he was back in it in Dark Knight. I would love to say that it is, to be honest, because I think that would be a really nice tie back to the the Nolan universe. Mm. Yeah, Wayne Manor destroyed by Rachel Ghoul, and then of course in uh, the Dark Knight. Bruce Wayne is really in a penthouse in the city. Mm. He's got his underground kind of lair at the docks. Yes. Um, you know, where the entrance is in through one of the shipping containers. Right. And then in uh, The Dark Knight Rises, he's kind of homeless because um, he's kind of been kicked out of, of Gotham yes. uh, by Bane. So I would like to say it is, and that then this is the reuse of it, but we do see when... Um, Bruce Wayne is being kind of uh, sort of officially recorded as being dead and you've got the funeral going on in front of Wayne Manor. He has turned it over to as an orphanage 
So if it were, well, then Bruce Wayne has basically made all the orphans homeless again um, and has kicked them out (laughs) in order to re-destroy Wayne Manor so then it can be rebuilt again as the Hall of Justice. So it it, it isn't really, but it would have been a nice touch um, if if it had because it would have connected it to the Nolan verse. But actually, really, I think what this is saying now is that the Nolan universe is completely separate yeah. from uh, this new incarnation of the DC wider universe. Yeah, at least with regards to Wayne Manor. I think. It is. Yeah, I think I think we probably knew that as well. Then again, somebody could have just destroyed Wayne Manor at a later stage. You never know. Uh, a couple of other links, I suppose, to the other movies in the past. Yeah, this was really good, the links to uh, Tim Burton's Batman movie. We have the reference to exploding wind-up penguins from Alfred, mm-hmm. and of course that's with uh, the penguin from Batman Returns. We also see Ace Chemicals, where Jack Napier, played by Jack Nicholson, falls into the vat of chemicals to uh, resurface as the Joker. And also in Suicide Squad, where... The Joker and Harley Quinn were uh, were having their bath, I suppose. Yes, I suppose. And of course, what's really nice here is we get the little um, hints at Danny Elfman's original theme tune as well, which was just so cool uh, with the Batmobile running through and getting that typical Elfman theme coming through. Also, Superman's original theme pops up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, some nice little nods here back to some of the oldest versions of this franchise, back to Tim Burton's and also the original Superman with Christopher Reeve. And obviously we do get Wonder Woman's uh, theme from Batman v Superman. That one's obvious, but uh, I have heard and has been pointed out in our Facebook group that uh, you also hear the Flash's original theme from the Flash TV show. Okay, excellent. Mm, Yeah, that's really cool. Um, And I I suppose some of the new elements here, we see Yanis Cosmetics uh, assigned there in one of the fly-throughs of Gotham, which Mm -hmm. comes to uh, Roman uh, and aka the Black Mask as he becomes. Oh, yes. Yes, very cool. We've seen him on, on Gotham as well. Yeah. One of my notes for it, I did like that the, a lot of the cast of Game of, Game of Thrones are here. Obviously, we've got Jason Momoa, who plays Aquaman. Uh, he played Khal Drogo in the first season of uh, Game of Thrones. We've got Kieran Hines, who plays um, Steppenwolf. He played Mance Raider for a couple of episodes on uh, Game of Thrones. And we also have Michael McElhatton, who is the criminal in the bank who's being kicked around by uh, by Wonder Woman. Uh, he played the evil Roose Bolton on uh, Game of Thrones as well. So Yeah, a big Game of Thrones love in there i think definitely, definitely. um i love michael McElhatton. definitely mm-hmm. such a great character as Bruce bolson such an um, i also believe there was a cameo with jimmy olsen as oh, really? a cop but i'm not entirely sure about that but i have uh read that he was playing a cop that were um People are being saved from a, uh, a car accident by um, Flash. Oh, okay. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Interesting. I'm sure there's a bunch of other stuff that we'll see when we get to see this on uh, on Blu-ray in the future. So I think that's our notes and our points for Justice League. John, how would you rate Justice League overall? For me, I would give this four Flash wins over Superman out of five. <laughs> but... I'd say that with a qualification, and I think that is to sit back, relax, and enjoy the spectacle, the humor, and these iconic characters coming together. I think if you're looking for tight storytelling with 
huge harmonization and consistency in the plot. I don't think you're going to get that. This is about these superheroes coming together to to defeat a big bad. And I think ultimately, if none of the characters, and I think this is why we've done it by character uh, for our five points, if none of these characters worked individually or together, I think it would have been an absolute nightmare of a movie. Mm-hmm. However, I think The Flash is fantastic. Ezra Miller does a great job here of, of playing The Flash. And I think you have to remember, he's battling against this idea of, you know, why are we recasting The Flash in the movie world? Mm. You know, he's had to deal with that. I think Jason Momoa just has so much fun, and I think his character works really well in this grouping of five. And again, I think you have to realize... Aquaman has been fighting this battle of why are you having such a lame hero ultimately yeah. in the movie? And he's not. He's really good. Well, you don't want to say that to Jason Momoa. No, absolutely. <laughs> um, and I don't think it, it's very generous of people saying that. I think he does a really good job of bringing this character to life, mm-hmm. as does Ray Fisher with Cyborg. Mm. You know, this is a really deep character here with a real personal problem and issue and disconnect that he has by being turned into a cyborg by his father. And I think that story arc is really good. And again, he works so well with Wonder Woman, with Diana Prince, and it's great to see her back. Uh, Gal Gadot is really, or Gal Gadot, is bringing such a great character uh, to life. And I think, you know, the criticism of Ben Affleck as Batman, I don't get it. I don't don't get get where it's coming from at all. So for me, all these characters coming together along with Superman, that's to me what this movie is about. And that's why I give it four out of five. Right. Yeah, I'd probably go a little bit lower. I'd probably go around three out of five. I don't normally give a ratings to to our episodes, but for me, this is definitely one of those movies that you could just sit back, relax. I found myself smiling most of the way through this film, and I have to say, you can definitely tell something about Zack Snyder. He loves comic books. There are so many moments that just feel like covers or splash pages from comic books in this movie. Um, we watched Thor Ragnarok, as we mentioned earlier on. Um, I gave that kind of a middling review as well um, because I felt it's a comedy. It doesn't really have any respect for the characters uh, as you'd seen them in the Marvel Universe. It felt like a comedy that was just throwing line after line of humor at you. This feels different. This feels like a fun movie rather than a comedy. Uh, It feels like it's throwing comedy moments from a character's perspective in there. They're not saying lines that are out of character. They're saying lines that are funny, uh, genuinely, as a comic book fan. So personally, I'd probably rate Justice League slightly higher than Thor if we're going to do a comparison between the two most recent superhero movies. What I mean by that is... When I came out of this in the cinema, I wanted to go back in and see it again immediately afterwards. With Thor, I was probably feeling, if I go back in again, I'm going to know all the jokes, so I'm going to wait six months until I've forgotten the jokes and watch it again. Um, so very different experience between those two movies. Uh, to rate it in the rest of the DC universe of films, certainly not of the level of Wonder Woman, but you had one character in there that you were able to focus on and, uh, and give a really good story to. This movie has to focus on many different characters, and I think it does a really good job there. So uh, probably a bit better than Batman v Superman, definitely better than Suicide Squad, which I watched earlier on in the week. I also watched Green Lantern again, John. I'm sorry. Oh, no wonder you were depressed during the week after seeing those two movies. I really did enjoy Suicide Squad again. I must say it was... it was. It... You mean the uh, two-hour music video 
that is exactly what I was going to say. It does feel like every character has a music video going on throughout it, including Enchantress, who dances her way through the final scene of that movie. <laughs> um, so it doesn't really feel as good as it was when I saw it in, in the cinema. Uh, this movie does feel like one I really want to go back and see again. We got to see it in 3D. I really enjoyed that. I think it worked quite well for some of those scenes. As I say, some beautiful palettes used there by uh, Zack Snyder and probably by Joss Whedon, who did some of the direction for the reshoots. Uh, some beautiful palettes and stuff, stuff that felt really like a comic book. And I love comic book movies. I've always loved comic book movies. Right back to when I saw Superman as a kid. I've always loved comic book films. A lot of the stuff that that has been in the cinema in the past has been trying to change these into movies based on the storyline in comic books rather than the artwork in comic books. And hey, guess what? I pick up comic books to look at beautiful artwork and read good stories as well. So it feels like they've done something cool here. Yeah, and I mean, if I'm to take my condition of my four out of five, I would probably say it is about a three or three and a half right. uh, out of five. Um, but it's still a victory for The Flash. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So with that, I think we've got some feedback here from our Facebook group. If you want to come and join us over on Facebook, please head on over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Gotham TV podcast. Yes, where we talk about Gotham every week uh, as the episodes are coming out. We're just on a, on a week break. But if you want to come over and talk about Justice League, you are more than welcome as well. Yes, Richard Blaze came on and talked about Justice League. So he was back from watching Justice League. And here are his thoughts and comments. Firstly, wow, just wow. Justice League is the, in capitals, perfect comic book movie, mixing action, drama, and nods and winks for comic book fans everywhere. I have to agree, I think it was Easter egg-filled, this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, which was really good. Batfleck still owns the role of Batman, and each time he is suited up, it's straight from every Batman comic you have ever seen. Wonder Woman continues to grow as a character, and still as fresh to see three films in. Mm -hmm. Cyborg is there to show how a character can grow into their powers, and it's great to see different styles from him throughout. Yeah, we forgot to mention that at the end of the movie, he does have that moment where he gets the more traditional, shinier outfit at the end. He just yes, with the circle, a bit like Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, definitely. Aquaman, hugely intrigued to see how his standalone film develops, as Atlantis looked really thrilling, and the tricks with all the water were cool as. And of course, the one-liners from Jason Momoa were just delivered with the right amount of wit and sarcasm. Mm -hmm. Flash is the comedy element, but also is able to show off what he is capable of, the Flashpoint movie if done, could be really, really special. Mm. For me, there was just the right amount of exposition and character development or action. Each of these scenes where the characters are talking could have been taken direct from a series of frames from a comic book. The movie rattles along at a great pace, and you're never really given a chance to process everything that is happening, already booked in to see it again. I'd purposefully kept away from any reviews so I could go in cold to see it. I'd seen Henry Cavill at the press conference and when Superman shows up at the beginning, albeit via someone's camera phone, I generally thought that was going to be it. Yeah, a nice little gag with the kids uh, filming on, his, on their camera phone saying they were recording it for their podcast. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but when he comes back and he's badass Superman, that's just too cool. And then in the final moments when he's there to take down Steppenwolf, his whole persona made me fall in love with Superman, something I've not done since the Christopher Reeve movies. It was nice to see the inclusion of the lanterns at the beginning and hearing the original Batman theme and Superman theme again during the film. They were very subtly used. 
Absolutely. It was really nice nod to these theme tunes and mm-hmm. these other films, uh, but not in an overbearing way, definitely. Agree. And just to mention that it was Ben Rush that said that there is uh, the Flash theme in there, so I'll definitely be looking out for that when I go and see the movie again. Yeah. Finally, uh, Richard goes on to say, and then the scenes in the credits, the race between Flash and Superman is just a bit of fun, but it's nice to see. But the big reveal of Lex and Deathstroke looking absolutely stunning was great to see, and I hope they stick with the idea of the baddies getting it together. I can't rave about this film enough. Certainly one of the best comic book films I have ever seen. Totally loved it. Very cool, Richard. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Probably as much as we did. We really enjoyed this film. We definitely both came out of it with a big smile on our face, knowing we've seen a really good comic book film. Definitely. Dylan Exner also pointed out, I couldn't help but notice that Batman's first scene was on a rooftop with a pigeon coop. Reminds me of a certain location from Gotham. Yes, a pigeon coop where Firefly and the young Selina Kyle hang out. And of course, Bruce Wayne visits frequently. Mm -hmm. Yes, nice little touch. Absolutely. And we received some feedback through by email as well. You can head on over to your email and just email us at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. Yes, Claire Payne sent us in her thoughts about Justice League. She says, escapism is something I've always associated with the cinema, and seeing the Justice League was no different. The Justice League was more than I expected. It had a good plot line, great action sequences, which showed off our heroes individually and together with great balance of humor, and we never forget that they are human. Danny Elfman's score was also very memorable throughout the film. Let's start with the negatives. It was too short, and you could see by the editing where parts of scenes had been removed. Steppenwolf was an okay villain. He had a good connection to the Amazonians, Atlanteans, and the human race, but as we all know, DC have great villains. Ben Affleck really proves how good he is at being Bruce Wayne in Batman. Seeing him do more action sequences compared to Batman vs. Superman was perfect. His relationship and actual respect for Diana really comes through in Ben's performance. Batman's humour was another enjoyable moment in coping with being part of the team. I enjoyed Jeremy Irons as Alfred much more this time around, his conversation with Bruce and how Superman is a beacon of hope and that Clark was always more human than he is. Yeah, that's a really good moment actually from Alfred and, and Bruce where effectively Bruce is saying that even though Superman's an alien, he's more human yeah. than Bruce is because he has more of a connection to the human race than Bruce has ever allowed himself to have. Absolutely. Claire goes on to say, Gal Gadot, as the awesome Wonder Woman, again, did not disappoint. Diana has a great way of logical thinking, but wanting to know what is right and in her, her heart. Her doubts of bringing back Superman for the dead was a good question, but didn't cause a huge rift amongst the League. Bruce asking her why she hides herself away after all she is Wonder Woman and is another beacon of hope and what she stands for. It has been said on several occasions Gal Gadot has been born to play the part, and I 100% agree she's a scene-stealer and incredibly believable. It was so good to see the Amazonians back and how they battle at the beginning of the film with Steppenwolf. I have my doubts about Aquaman, but they were gone within minutes. Jason Momoa was brilliant. Atlantis was beautiful and really gave you a tease to the oceanic world in a solo film next year. One of the funniest moments was Aquaman didn't realise when he sat on Wonder Woman's Lasso of Truth and started reeling off how he really felt about the quest he's on. Ray Fisher as Cyborg for me personally had a really interesting backstory and I liked how he looked and bonded with each of the League as the film went on. Cyborg's natural surprise at what his abilities are was great to watch and I was happy to see his father survive. I also liked his shy but confident abilities to be a very important part of this League. Yeah, definitely. I thought that kind of humbleness from his character, despite his immense power Mm. um, and abilities, was really, really cool. Yeah, completely agree, Claire. Definitely. Definitely agree. Really enjoyed Ray Fisher in this role. Claire goes on to say, Ezra Miller as The Flash was another character that really stood out. 
Ezra in his own right is an exceptional actor. His story of this father being in prison shows his own personal difficulties with life and why people have brunch. Bruce Wayne believing that he is an essential part of the League, even though we have seen in the trailer where Barry asked for Bruce Wayne's superpower, felt just as fresh in the film. Special effects in how Barry uses his lightning speed was excellent and gave me goosebumps. The flash with Superman in the end credits where they race each other to the Pacific Ocean was my favourite in the two end of credit scenes. I really hope there will be a Flashpoint movie made with Ezra in the role. Yeah, I'm really hoping that, as I say, they haven't announced The Flash as a movie um, in the future. It's a Flash standalone movie. They are expecting that Flashpoint will be that movie. Uh, in the comic book, that's what ends the old DC universe and starts the new 52, effectively. So uh, quite a huge moment from comic books. And it's written by Jeff Johns. So uh, very likely that he will steer things that way in the future. Yeah, almost certainly, in fact. And Claire says, the way the Justice League was promoted by keeping Superman quiet until the film was released was a good decision. Even though we saw Clark in the last trailer released at New York Comic Con, it made you feel Lois was dreaming about him, but that was not the case. Superman being brought back from the dead was a valid decision and done really well. His confusion and anger was great to watch, and it's not until Alfred brings Lois Lane to see him that he really remembers who he was and can be again. Superman getting involved in the final scenes with the League was a brilliant way to wrap up a fun, entertaining film. The human part of the film was what surprised me and I appreciated the grief that Lois, Bruce's guilt and Clark's mother Martha discussed and experienced. Amy Adams is a fantastic Lois and Diane Lane makes a believable Superman mother. Overall, I found the Justice League to be a fun, cool, entertaining movie. The characters work incredibly well together and all have been cast perfectly. In my own personal way, I can see why we got a darker, grittier Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, but Justice League showed a lighter side, even though they were saving the world. Thank you, Claire, for that. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was such a good, fun movie. Mm-hmm. And I agree. It was certainly lighter. And I, I think such a great character introduction to the, the three new characters and maintaining what we already have in Wonder Woman, Batman and Superman. Definitely. definitely. I really like that moment as well. I didn't mention it in the, in the podcast, but I really like that moment where we find out that Bruce buys back Clark's family home. Uh, for his mother but not only does that he buys the entire bank because he just has a problem and as we've seen in gotham young bruce wayne buys an entire club because he's not being let in by the bouncer on the door so this is something that's been going on for his entire career now we see yes um <laughs> he likes to buy stuff definitely well he buys way more than he needs to i think is the is the funny gag i suppose yeah definitely <laughs> thanks uh, so much for all of your feedback it's great to hear from everybody about this movie and hopefully you've enjoyed our discussion about uh, about the justice league yes please come on over and subscribe to gotham tv podcast for itunes or apple podcasts google play or any other good podcast catcher please head on over to gothamtvpodcast.com to our subscribe section on the home page absolutely and we'll be back for gotham season four episode 10 things that go boom next week thanks so much for joining us yes as always thank you for joining us and listening in with us uh, and we will be back again to speak with you next time i'm off for some brunch whatever the hell that is <laughs> bye <laughs> I'm David Mazuz, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Drew Powell, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Robin Lloyd-Taylor, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast.